Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Well, I appreciate the worship and music this morning. It's taken me back to my roots. I'm a native of East Texas, um, born and raised in Henderson, Texas, and multi-generation family uh, there. And just uh, have great joy in my heart as I, I stand here to proclaim the word to you this morning. So will you join me in prayer for, as we prepare our hearts to, to hear the word of God proclaimed. So let us pray. Lord, I do thank you for the opportunity to, to stand in, the, in your house, to proclaim your word, and Lord, but we ask that it, it be your voice that we hear. Lord, we ask you to speak directly to our souls. We come needing to hear a word from you. So Lord, speak to us and receive all honor and glory. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Hope is a terrible thing to lose. In John 21, we have the disciples who've gone back to their old way of life. Many have heard of the Magnificent Seven. Well, here we have the Miserable Seven. We have Peter, who was excited to be the rock of the church. He had said to his his Lord, I will lay down my life for you. They had marched into Jerusalem. The people had come out. They'd come out with palm branches. And you know the disciples are like, this is what we've been talking about. This is what we've been waiting for. This is our time. The people are behind us. They're here to support us. Five days later, the people with the palm branches are now saying, crucify him. The leaders who they admired, who they had respected, now led the crowd in turning against Jesus and to have Jesus crucified. The Roman authorities, who they didn't have much hope in, well, they, they didn't do anything to stop it. And even worse, Peter, when a servant girl said to him, aren't, aren't, aren't you one of his? Peter, that rock who said he'd lay down his life for the Lord, says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know the man. Disappointing their people, disappointing their leaders, disappointing themselves, disappointing God. They'd lost hope in their Lord, lost hope in themselves. And they said, We're going fishing. And so now you have the miserable seven who had lost hope. In a boat. And so we'll pick up at verse 4 in chapter 21 of John. It says, Just after daybreak, Jesus stood at the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? 
And I think we have slides for this as well, for the, for the text. If not, you could follow along. They said no. Jesus said to them, cast your net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. Hashtag ultimate fishing guide Jesus. <laughs> so they cast it. And now they were not able to, to, to hand it because there were so many fish. They were not able to haul it in. Verse 7. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Will you say that with me? It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and he jumped into the sea. One minute, you had the miserable seven. When you have four words, it is the Lord. The miserable seven became the magnificent seven. Peter cannot even wait for John and the crew to row their boat ashore, jumps in the water, swims to Peter. Have you ever been in a baseball game where, where your team is down? You got a couple of runners on base, and the whole environment of the crowd is like, this game is over, all hope is lost, we're behind, and we're going to go home behind. But with the crack of a bat, the entire environment of the stadium changes. People start putting on their hats funny, people start getting excited, people are leaning into the game. Just with the crack of a bat, hope comes upon the entire crowd. That's what it was like for these disciples as they were out miserable in this boat, having lost all hope. It is the Lord. And new hope was renewed. Hope is a terrible thing to lose. But it is a beautiful thing to gain. We are way off on the slides. I don't know. If we can go back. There we go. Will you say that with me? Hope is a terrible thing to lose, but it is a beautiful thing to gain. Viktor Frankl was a Jewish psychiatrist in Vienna in Austria. In 1942, his wife, parents, and brothers were all arrested and sent to Nazi concentration camps. His father died in the first six months, and at Auschwitz, his brother died and his mother was killed. And Frankel, as a psychiatrist, after he made it out, he wrote the book, Man's Search for Meaning. I highly recommend this book. Frankel said that he got to the point where he could tell you which person would die next. And he says it didn't follow common reason. He says it wasn't necessarily the, the weakest person. It wasn't necessarily the most malnourished person. The person who had been there the longest or the person who had been there the shortest or how long they had been there. He said he could tell when... Someone was going to die, said, when they lost any hope, when they could find no meaning in life, when they could find no purpose. He said he could tell when they found no meaning, 
found no purpose, found no hope, that they were not long for this world. Hope is a terrible thing to lose. These seven disciples in the boat were there. They lost hope. They lost meaning. They had lost purpose. Their people had betrayed them. They have denied their Savior. The people rejected the Savior. And their Savior did not save them exactly how and when they wanted. Sixteen years ago, the North Texas Conference sent me to plant a Spanish-language church. I came out of Henderson, and I was in the Future Farmers of America, I, so I knew a little bit about pigs. My grandfather was a pig farmer, and after graduating from uh, A&M, I know I just gained some friends, and some just lost hope. In part of my running from my colleague, uh, I joined the Peace Corps, and I went and raised pigs in, in rural Ecuador for two years and four months as a Peace Corps volunteer. We finally accepted my calling to ministry there, came back, went to, uh, went to seminary there at SMU, and upon graduating, the bishop of the North Texas Conference appointed me, someone who did not speak any Spanish till I was an adult, to go start a Spanish-language church. Moved into the North Leftfield neighborhood, started knocking doors, and I can remember working on my first sermon, and I had to look up in a dictionary the word for mercy in Spanish, because somehow, after two years of working with swine in Ecuador, I never even learned the word for mercy. <laughs> but God blessed that ministry. We got lots of support throughout North Texas Conference, and people here, Roy City United Methodist Church, First United Methodist Church, also supported that ministry, and through all that support, it was really and highly blessed, and actually grew to be among the top two uh, Spanish language churches and all of United Methodism. And I was greatly blessed by that, those 15 years. And then a year ago, I was appointed by the bishop to be, do new church development, to start new churches, do vitalizations. If you've done Healthy Church Initiative, that is an initiative that is out of the office that I now serve. Well, a few, year, a few weeks ago, someone knowing but my background in Spanish language ministries and thinking I would have a little more flexibility on Sundays... I got a call to ask me if I would go and lead worship in Tornillo, Texas. And I have a picture of the tents in Tornillo. So many of y'all had seen this. I had seen this on the news. This is where 400 miners are being detained in, uh, in the Chihuahua Desert, just south of, uh, about an hour south of El Paso. And... If you see all those small tents, they have 20 boys in each one of those, those tents. Part that you cannot see is where the, the 40 girls are, being, are, is their area. They're kept separate. And then in that white tent, at this very moment, they're, they're getting ready to start a worship service. You know, a worship service that I, I had started a little over a month ago as I was called in. And when I went there... We get there, and we're picked up by, in the airport by these white vans. They come in, and as you can imagine, it's a surreal environment for me to go and now being picked up. We, we go to this facility. There's a man standing at this gate with a large fence around it with a barbed wire on top. He's sitting in a, a car that is cranked, and I guess he just sits in that car so the air conditioner is running all day, and he gets out, and he opens the gate for us to go in. We go in through that security 
We, go, we have another security point. We go into the next security, and I turn around, and there are all the tents. I don't know if you've ever had the experience such as seeing the Statue of Liberty for the first time in person, something that you've seen many times in photos, and now it's, now it's there in real life before you. It's quite a surreal moment. That's how I felt. I'd seen these tents on, on, on Facebook. I'd seen it on TV. And now here I am standing before these tents. We go into a, uh, into a, a travel trailer, and, uh, an 18-wheeler trailer, but it's like those travel trailers where, the, where the, the walls come out and expand, and this is the command post. And it was like nothing I'd ever seen. You go inside that command post, and there's not a, 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 a square inch about that there is not some sort of screen, electronic screen, on the wall. One of them may have a, a, you know, a TV channel on them, but the other one is, has some cameras throughout the camp. Others are having data that are coming across, how many kids they have, what country th the kids are from, and so forth. And the, in this location, they have 400 uh, teenage boy, 360 teenage boys and 40 teenage girls. Uh, number one country they came from, anybody want to take a guess? Guatemala. I was stunned. I was expecting Honduras, but something's going on in Guatemala in there that, is, that is driving kids here because used to the number one country was Honduras, but it is Guatemala, Honduras, then El Salvador. Uh, they've had many kids coming in and out. They've only had four children from Mexico. They had uh, one from Cuba and one from Romania. So we get an orientation from the, from the command post leader uh, in that area, and he tells us all about what's going on, what they're doing. This is for, most of them are the unaccompanied minors that arrived out of those 400. Only 26 of them were actually separated, but when they did the separation, they were using the space that these kids were already in, and so they got moved to the tents, and the separated kids got moved into the, the space that, that they were in. And so that's why they built this that's why they built this tent. And the organization that runs this is a not-for-profit organization called BCFS, which used to stand for Baptist Children and Family Services, but they now just go by BCFS. And they are the ones that invited us in to lead worship. And they told us, they said, the government says that we must allow the kids to worship, but they say we cannot use government funds to pay for it. And so you can kind of think about our Constitution. You have free exercise, but no establishment. So... You can't exercise, but we can't pay for it. And so we went in and as volunteers, and I, I put a group together, uh, different worship leaders and so forth, so that we could go in and lead worship. We go in, and I mean, first of all, leading worship in front of 360 teenage boys is going to be intimidating no matter what. <laughs> but here I am going in, leading worship in 360 incarcerated teenage boys that I had never seen before. Quite intimidated. Go in, they're beautiful. They're, their skins are kind of radiating. You can see they spent a lot of time in the sun, both in their journey and in playing soccer. And we start off with a, a, a and I'm thinking, okay, we need to lead this like camp like camp worship for, like Bridgeport Camp. And so we start off with this song in, in Spanish that has a lot of movements to it. It goes like, Si tuvieras fe como un granito de mostaza. If you had the faith the size of a mustard seed. 
tú le dirías a esa montaña, you will say to the mountain, muévete, muévete, move and it will move. And so we start kicking off with these motions. And it went about like you would expect strangers trying to lead 360 teenage boys in a song that requires getting up and moving. It was a slow start. <laughs> But by the time we got to our second song, and the second song was a song called Eres Todo Poderoso. And I mean, you are almighty God. I mean, it just sang of the power of God. If their singing was like a liquid, imagine that liquid just filling the tent to where it just starts spouting out the top. Their voices were so loud, so powerful, it took me back. And it just made me think. When I sing of a powerful God, it's one thing. When these boys in their situation sing of a powerful God, they are needing a powerful God. Needing a powerful God to do something, to move. After a time of worship, I was invited to proclaim the word. Proclaim the word. We had communion. And we had prayer time. In that prayer time, we would go around and visit. And then we also asked them, I don't know if you could see all these, but we asked them to write out prayer petitions. And as you can see, I have hundreds. Number one prayer petition. What do you think it is? My case. One boy said to me, pray that I am able to finish this journey that I began so many months ago. And he said, pray for my fingerprints to get back. Pray for the judge to have mercy. Number one prayer petition. Number two prayer petition, me mama. Pray for my mom. Double, one, one prayer was, pray for her because she's worried about me. Others were, pray for her safety. Let me share some of these with you. One says, Lord, I give you thanks for all you give us. Although we fail you in many ways, you love us. I give you thanks for my family who you protect and take care of. I pray for all of us that are in here that you give us patience, Lord. You know the motives of why we are here. You have purpose for each one of us here. I pray for our cases, that you work it out for us to be with our families. I pray for you to bless us, Lord. I know you will soon deliver us from here because for you nothing is impossible, Lord. I place everything in your hands, Lord. Amen. Another said, Almighty Father, I praise you with my heart. Help me get out of here to be with my family, that my fingerprints and everything go well with my papers. I pray for my family that is in Guatemala and for my sister who has a sick heart. 
Heal it. Help it, my God. Do your miracle. Protect me and my family. Cause my fingerprints to arrive and that all goes well with my papers. Please be merciful to me, God. And the last one I read says, I give you thanks for a beautiful afternoon that you have given me. I pray for my family in Guatemala. Always bless my beautiful Madrecita. Madrecita, I mean, it's like a, a, an endearing way of saying mother. My little mother. Care for her, always, wherever she goes. I ask that you give me patience. I know I will soon be getting out of here to praise you, Father, because you are great. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you for everything, Papito, which another way of saying my father. I was four years on the staff at Lover's Lane United Methodist Church and was running mission trips down to Honduras right after Hurricane Mitch. And after working there for a week, I built a pretty close relationship with one of the guys there. And he turned to me one day and he said to me, he says, I think it's easier for us to be Christians than for you. I was kind of taken back by that, that comment, maybe a little bit offended. And, and I said, uh, you're going to have to explain that to me. He says to me, he says, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have insurance. I was like, yeah, I have car insurance, I have health insurance, life insurance, house insurance. Yeah, I have insurance. And he says, we have nothing but God. You know, hope is a terrible thing to lose, but it is a beautiful thing to gain. The kids moved into a, a, a time of, of singing at the end of that prayer time, of singing these, these song, worshipful songs. And they sang this one song. I'd been singing for 16 years through Christ Foundry. And it, it, the song is called Immerse Me. But in the girls' service, we have them separated. The boys and girls don't even ever see each other uh, by design. But in the girls' service with these 40 girls, when they sang this song, it, it, I lost it. The song goes, Cansado del camino. I'm tired of being on the road. Sediendo de ti. And I'm thirsting for you. And then when they sang these next words, which I'd always thought of metaphorically, this is when I lost it. These girls from age 13 to 17 sang, Un desierto he cruzado, sin fuerzas he quedado, vengo a ti. Which means I have crossed a desert, I have been left without strength, and I have come to you. For 16 years I had sung that, those words metaphorically. These kids found a hope in our Lord. When the disciple who Jesus loved, John, said, it is the Lord, those seven disciples found hope. In First United Methodist Church, Royce City, you and I have been charged to be the messengers of that hope. Because we live in a society that is desperate for hope. 
whether they are teenagers in tents and tornillos, or they are folks living in the rows of houses in Royce City, Rockwall County, whether it's teachers going back to school wondering about if they can do it for another year more, if they're making any difference now, if it's adult children dealing with aging parents, aging parents are dealing with adult children. Parents entering into those rough years of raising teenagers or people like me raising three-nagers. We live in a world that is desperate for hope, that is needing hope, that need to know things are going to get better. Whatever situation you're currently in is not your final situation. Our God has promised us an eternal and a blessed and amazing situation in which we are going forward. And that the situation that we're in is not our final situation. That things are going to get better and our God is going to make everything all right. And God has charged our people, you and I, to be those messengers of good news. Those messengers of hope. You know, you, when people are in tragedy, often people say, well, you, you need, first, you need to get busy. Well, there's a healthy busy and there's an unhealthy busy. There's that unhealthy busy that is an escape. There's that unhealthy busy which is, is, can be destructive. A good friend of mine, Nico Robinson, high school graduate of mine, two weeks ago, Lost his daughter, junior in high school. Within three days, I saw on Facebook that they had launched a scholarship in her name. That's good busy. That's healthy busy. That's finding purpose. That's finding hope in the midst of tragedy. When Jesus arrives on the shore, he calls Peter forward. Peter comes to him. Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? And Jesus answers him. And Jesus says to him, Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. What Jesus is saying to Peter is, Peter, I need you. My people need you. This world needs you. You are an important person to me, and you are an important person here. Because we live in a world that needs your hope. You don't need to be out fishing for fish. You need to be out fishing for people, and I need you. And Peter found hope in Jesus giving him purpose. And so do we. So do we. Yes, our nation's divided. Yes, there's lots of suffering around us. My 98-year-old grandfather, who's still alive and living in Lockhart, Texas, one morning I was staying with him, and I walked in, and he was reading his morning paper. And I asked my grandfather, I said, any good news? My grandfather says, looking at his paper, not in here. And I knew what my grandfather was saying. We live in a world full of bad news. But God has given us good news. We have it here. We have it here. And church, the world needs us to have it here. 
The prophet Jeremiah says, Beautiful are the feet of those who stand on Zion hills, who bring good tidings, who bring good news. Church, may we have beautiful feet and share the good news and hope and love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because hope, it is a terrible thing to lose. But it is a beautiful thing to share and it is a beautiful thing to receive. Amen? Lord God, we come to you aware that we live in a world that is in need of hope. Lord, we ask that you be like a fire burning in us to share with others the good news and the hope that we have found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Whereas like the disciples, we too may, may feel down, we too may feel disappointed. But Lord, like that crack of the bat at a baseball game, you come to us, stand on the shore, call out our names, and you change everything. Reminding us that we are in your hands. Reminding us that we are your beloved. Reminding us that with you nothing is impossible. That we can count on you. That we can depend on you. And that your love never fails. God, help us. Help us to share that message with others. We pray this in the name of the one who we love. And who came to the shore. In the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.